What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. How you doing, Rich? Oh, I'm doing pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, man, I'm sad because my favorite holiday has passed us by. I've uh, been a little bit sick, still pissed off about that. Got finals week coming up, stressed out, but uh, you know, uh, I have found the salve for my ailments and it is a a very impressive overtime win from the Kings over the Denver Nuggets. They won 100 to 97. Did you catch this game? I did. And, um, you know, at the beginning, I thought this game was over in the first quarter. It was, it was Gary Harris against the Sacramento Kings. And, um, you know, Gary Harris was just hitting some tough shots, but, to start, I also was pretty disappointed with Buddy Heald's defense. Like ever since we yeah. kind of mentioned it, I was I've been so upset with myself recently that I even said at one point that Buddy was a better defender than Bogdanovich because Buddy's been terrible. He's been truly a terrible defender. Like I I think he's been like that pretty much his whole career too. I I don't even know that it's just like anything new necessarily. Um, it's you know it's especially I think it might be more obvious now that the team is playing better defense around him. Yeah. Does that make it like a right? It's like a rising tide situation where he, it, he's getting exposed because the rest of the team is really stepping up and he's not, I'm not sure he's able to do it. Yeah. I, I definitely think that's a fair point. And um, yeah, I see that. And then another guy that part of that defense has kind of been replacing Bielitsa for stretches there. And you even saw it at the beginning of, overtime is Justin James. He's Justin. legitimately worked his way into the rotation. Love it. I love it. I mean, that is, this was like, we talked about him getting minutes and stuff, but that was mostly on a road trip, uh, you know, losing road trip. This is no joke. 26 minutes against the Nuggets, including the first half of overtime. That is no joke whatsoever. And he's playing, he's playing great. And he's playing, yeah, like you said, he's playing fantastic defense. It, you were were you comfortable seeing him out there? Um, I was not super comfortable seeing him there in overtime. Um, I loved I loved the second half minutes. I loved the early first half minutes. Like I think he got out there like early first quarter. Like, um, it with with one of the I think it was probably the second substitution. I think he got like a solid four or five minutes in the first quarter. Um, but yeah, I was comfortable with all that. I would have liked to have just seen Bogey out there to start overtime. They did eventually, Walton brought Bogey on for Justin James, and that, that did soothe my nerves a little bit. And I'm not sure 
if the Kings would have pulled this off if they had kept James out there for all five minutes of OT. But, but yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, I understood in regards to the defense, but even with the way that Buddy Heald was shooting the ball, I mean, he started to knock him down in the final two minutes. I believe his first three came in the final two minutes of the game. He was three for 13 in this one. Um, terribly cold. I definitely wanted another offensive player, Bogdanovich, out there, who was not any uh, hotter himself tonight, four of 16 in that Denver game. But I, I would have liked a little more offense. But Justin James, uh, he he was able to give you a few a few minutes where Bogey could get a little bit of a break there, and he didn't get torn apart against a really good Denver team in in overtime, like you mentioned. And um, yeah, maybe on Buddy Heald really quickly. Like I said, he was bricking everything at the start. Some of them weren't even close. A couple of them. Um, how do you feel? I mean, shooters are going to shoot. Buddy Heald is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. You're comfortable with him just keep on throwing them up? Or how are you feeling when Buddy's 0 of 10? Yeah, he has to throw them up. Um, because here's the problem with Buddy Heald, the player that we've, we've talked in length about, how he has really one elite skill. I mean, you can call it two. You can say it's, it's the athleticism or the endurance and the speed, the combination of endurance and speed, that's one thing that he is elite at. And effort, I'll throw that in there as well, I suppose. But then shooting, obviously, is his super elite school, uh, skill and the one that actually affects the the play, his ability to score from distance. Um, and, it's, and, and people will say he's an elite scorer, period. I disagree with that because I think that most of his scoring comes from one or two uh, play types, you know, really it's the three ball and it's kind of the transition buckets like when he's at the rim. I don't I don't think he gets to the rim in the half court and I don't think that he's really great creating his own shot uh, unless it's just a, you know, a deep three. So what happens if you have one really elite skill and and you're not able to connect on it, then, you know, you just have a bad basketball player. Right. And I mean, opposing defenses are still going to respect Buddy Heald, no matter O for whatever. Uh, Buddy Heald is going to have a gravity to him and still be spacing the floor. Um, some of them he was getting, I mentioned he was bricking some of them, but others were fairly close back rimming. He was, he was wide open on a few of them and still couldn't get them to go. And, uh, and they fell at the right time at very least. I, I agree with everything you said. I think that, um, with how big of an emphasis Buddy Heald's game is on that three-point shot. He needs to keep throwing them up, and Sacramento should be fine, especially with the injuries to De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley, somewhat living by Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich as well on the offensive end. Um, and Buddy did a okay job driving in this game at times. Uh, five free throw attempts, and he nailed four of them. It's the only third time on the year where he's gotten to the line five times. He's not been great at doing that. Uh, someone that has, though, and really at this point I'm saying has been the best player all year long and definitely the pulse performer of this game, Harrison Barnes, man. 30 Absolutely. points. Absolutely. He's been – such a rock for this team this season. I am so, so pleased to have, like, is any part of you regretting that no. 
fairly large contract? No. no, 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 I agree. I mean, I think that that's, especially when you consider, and I don't, we don't need to get into this again, but when you consider what other options were out there at small forward, um, like the large, the big forward position, like there just aren't, aren't dudes. I mean, the one other guy that was available on the trade market was Otto Porter and he's been hurt. So I don't know that there was a better scenario, a better way to fill this need. And it was a really desperate need. It definitely was. I mean, averaging 16 and five on the year with some nice shooting splits, 50 from the field, 39% from three, 80 from the free throw line. And I've said it a couple times. He's the only guy that can get, to the paint for the Sacramento team. They need that so much on offense. He's part of this, what's been a great Sacramento defense recently, but guys like Corey Joseph um, are, how would I describe this? He's, he's capable on offense, but I wouldn't say he's creative. Um, I, I think that he will get under the rim and dribble around a bit looking for people, but he's not attacking uh Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald, that's my biggest criticisms of their offensive games is that they don't get to the paint. Bielitsa uh, does an okay job at it, and obviously Holmes is living down there. But in regards to wing players, Harrison Barnes is the only guy that feels like he adds that diversity of a threat in the paint on the offensive end for the Kings. Yeah, for sure. I think there's there's probably two guys that get to the line the most, and they're both hurt for this Kings team. Um, in Fox and Bagley, they're both, they've both done pretty well getting, you know, generating free throw attempts. But, yeah, Barnes is the third piece to that puzzle. And, yeah, I mean, it's you're absolutely right when you say that he's their, their best guy at getting, getting to the line, getting to the bucket um, on drives. It's Without Fox and Bagley, it really just comes down to him, and he's done a really good job stepping up. Yeah, and then one other development that has kind of been there for most of the year, but I needed to see it for for a good chunk of time, a good sample here before I really believed it. I'm convinced Rashawn Holmes is a damn good rim protector. Like I thought that, you know, maybe this would be a little bit of a nice stretch for him, but no, this has been consistent and it's not just um, using his athleticism and hustle, like he's being in the right positions on defensive plays. Obviously, the one that stands out is that block at the end of regulation, but he has been great protecting the rim. Yes, he's been incredible, and he had a couple really nice similar plays uh, on the road trip as well. Um, he had a couple nice plays against the Celtics, uh, the the Wizards. There were two that I. Um, pulled clips for and tweeted about because they were just so impressive. His help defense, he times his help so well. And it especially, you especially see it when a player is being guarded by Corey Joseph and then Rashawn Holmes comes to help at the rim. That is such a dynamic tandem of defenders. Like we saw Bradley Beal get swallowed up by it. Uh, we saw who was driving at the end there um, in this Jamal game. Murray. Like Jamal Murray got swallowed up by it. Like that's, I mean, you know, elite scorers. That's the if you got Kojo on you and Rashawn Holmes, you know, ready to help. That's like a really, really, really tough, tough way to score. 
Right. And Joseph does a great job. You saw him really get frustrated at the beginning of the year because he funnels guys away from the middle of the floor and is waiting for that help defense like a good defender should. But a lot of times they weren't in position and you would see him get very upset with guys. Um, understandably so. I, I don't think that it was a bad thing that he was doing that. And now guys are, like you mentioned, home starting to be in that help position. I think Deadman started to do it a little more as well. I wish he got a little more run in this game, but um, especially after a really good Philadelphia performance. But I'll also admit I am just pushing for Deadman so much to, to play well because I feel like he he needs to be the guy next to Bagley when he eventually comes back. Um, but the last guy for the Kings I wanted to touch on here, man, is what have you thought of Bielitsa recently? Uh, I have some numbers here. Over the last five games, he has eight points, three turnovers, on 29% from the field and 15% from three. Yeah, I think he's cooling off. We saw this at the, you know, I think around this time, honestly, last year, maybe a little bit later, but he was he was hitting like 50% on his threes for the first month, maybe month and a half of the season. And he was doing exactly that again this season. And yeah, like it's cooling off. Now, I think that it was always going to cool off. I don't I didn't know if it would happen so abruptly again and I and that may not be the case. He may bounce back, you know, against the Bulls. So I can't it's not done or anything, but you know, I think that we're starting to see that regression to the mean. It's pretty damn impossible to be as efficient as Bealitz has been for a whole season. It's I think it is it is essentially impossible. I mean, that's like you know, maybe Steph Curry type of efficiency from three and, and very few other people have ever approached that. So yeah, I don't know. And it's tough too, because I think that Bielitsa is probably another guy who, you know, he's, he's got some other skills. I think he's a really gifted passer. Um, but when the shot isn't falling, he kind of just feels like a dude. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. And defensively, he, he's been impressive this year in regards to what you expect from Bielitsa, um, but he still hasn't been a factor on the defensive end, really. Um, I think he's very creative on the offensive end, but a lot of it is reliant on hard closeouts and attacking those. And yeah, you kind of mentioned it. He had a crazy start last year. Um, in October last year, it was 54% from three, and then November was 48 and December, which we have just reached, actually, it, he went down to earth a little bit, 37%, which is still a nice three-point percentage, but it's not this otherworldly. And uh, has your have your thoughts changed at all on the idea of Bagley and Holmes starting alongside each other? No. Me either. I don't, yeah, I don't see the spacing behind it. It's not going to work. It's not so, going to work. I, I, I think that there's a decent chance we'll see it, but I don't think it'll work. Right. Yeah, I think that you try it, but I, I agree with you there. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. 
Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. You have any other notes from this game, man? Well, I just want to go based on what we've been talking about. Um, you know, we talked about the Joseph and Holmes defensive combination and then the Bogey Holmes offensive combination, I think, works really well also. Um, and what's interesting is that these are all, you know, maybe bench players when, when Fox and Bagley are back. You think that's a possible, like that's a pretty strong possibility, right? That those yeah. guys all come off the bench. Definitely. So what, like, which of those units do you think is better? So let me give you two units, the bench unit or the starting unit. Do you think that Fox, Heald, and Bagley is a better unit or a worse unit than Corey Joseph, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Rashawn Holmes? Oh, man. Um, With Buddy Heald's struggles, that really turns me off from that first unit. But I I still have to think that relying on Fox and I think that Bagley – is more than capable of doing what Holmes is doing and doing more. Uh, I think more consistently, you know, interestingly, I think more consistently that second unit. I think that every night you know what you're going to get somewhat, at least bogey can be up and down a little bit, but you know what you're getting from Corey Joseph and Rashawn Holmes. And, but the higher potential there will be some nights where that first unit blows the second one out the water. I agree. I think that's kind of a, a high floor, high ceiling situation, right? Where the first lineup has got a tremendously high ceiling, but that backup lineup's got such a nice high floor that you can rely on. It's interesting. Yeah, and then you just put that rock in either lineup of Harrison Barnes. I yeah, I know, right? The, well, the other the X factor would be adding Deadman to that first lineup to go with Bagley or in adding uh, Bielitsa to that lineup with Holmes to keep that the same. Although I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's pushing it a little bit further towards the bench unit for me personally. Um, And then, I I mean, I guess, yeah, you'd like to have Barnes in either one, but that would be where it breaks is if you, if you start Barnes and then try to replace him with Ariza. I do like what I see out of Ariza, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a downgrade. Yeah, it definitely is. And also, yeah, Riza has been out with a with a personal issue going on and Justin James has been stepping up in his role. Do you think that when Ariza comes back, these Justin James minutes just he essentially gets replaced by Ariza? Yeah, I I do probably think that. Um I I don't think that Walton is ready to move on from Ariza. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. You've mentioned a bunch of times how the amount of experience that Ariza has on this roster and Walton definitely has a trust in him. Um, I would agree. I think that now Justin James has proven himself though, that he'll get nice little stretches here and there, similar to Harry Giles. I was just going to say, I feel like those, you know, we've, I think we've got our starting 10 or our, you know, our, our top 10. I think that's kind of, I do think that you were right that it will be Deadman and Bagley together in the front court. So that's, I think when, when everyone's healthy, I think it's going to be Fox, Buddy, Barnes, uh, Bagley, Deadman starting as your first unit. 
second unit, really clear, Joseph, Bogey, Ariza, Bielitsa, and Holmes. And that's like kind of set in stone. I think that's that's your 10. And then James and Giles, I think, will be kind of like the X factor wild cards. Like when a guy isn't playing well, then Walton will swap them in for like energy and just to mix it up and to get something new. For sure. And like I said earlier, I'm really hoping Deadman starts to come along. I think it's been a little bit better for him at times. Again, I really am pointing to that Philadelphia game. I thought that was clearly his best game of the year. Um, he had a great impact in that one. That was might have been the first one this year where I preferred him over Rashawn Holmes. Um, but yeah, now Sacramento's going into a game against the Chicago Bulls who are really struggling. They have one of the uh, the the worst storylines going on right now. I guess they're entertaining, but that's a coach on the hot seat. Yeah, I read a really, really interesting piece from The Athletic uh, from Stephen No on how I think the, the, the lead or the, the tagline was it's day 359 of, of Jim Boylan's coaching career in Chicago and there should not be a day 360. And that's like a really aggressive thing. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't think you really see that often. Um, a writer, you don't even really see bloggers that much, like straight up calling for people's jobs, but to see the athletic cover of a team straight up say this coach needs to be fired, that's a lot. That's like really – it tells you a lot. Yeah, it does. There was the whole um, Zach Levine getting pulled early in the game, I believe th- about three minutes in, and uh, Jim Boylan's reasoning was three egregious defensive mistakes, and Zach Levine found out from reporters in the post game why he was pulled um, and had a comment of uh, – did Zach, did Zach Levine make three mistakes or did the entire team make three mistakes? And um, yeah. And there was also quotes from earlier in the year of Jim Boylan saying he doesn't pull guys early and he's done the same thing with Zach Levine as he has with Wendell Carter jr. Um, it, it's definitely, there's a lot going on there. Uh, they got, they got some, some talent on the roster that should be promising, but if you don't have the right guy at the helm, it's not going to mesh together well. Yeah, and they're in the East. Like that talent, they absolutely, they absolutely should be fighting for a playoff spot. Not necessarily, you know, a favorite for the eighth seed, but they should be in the mix for the majority of the season, right? Yeah, for sure. I think I had them as my uh, as my ninth seed in the East going into the year. Yeah, I think I was right around there as well. Um, yeah, and it's grim. I mean, so Boylan is the guy who the the <laughs> the team like revolted against right last year Remember yeah because this? it was a back to back and then they had a um they still had a practice the next right <laughs> and he was like having to run suicides yeah <laughs> that is so funny he he's such he's I, I that's why I couldn't pick them for the playoffs a lot of people wanted to pick them for the eight seed and and I remember with our when we did our season preview um with uh, Salim from the uh, Bulls Gold podcast, we t- were talking about the future, right? And like how, you know, how, how rosy or bright the future could be. And it, it was, it had nothing, basically our discussion had nothing to do with the players. It was, 
Boylan and Garpax. It was their ownership group, their GM, and their head coach. That's that. These are the issues for the Bulls. Right. Uh, yeah, it's definitely rough there. I know that they got rid of um, – um, shoot, I'm not remembering their previous coach. Do you remember that off the top of your – Fred Hoiberg. They got rid of him after – only 10 games last year, something around that mark, and then replaced him with Boylan that felt temporary. It did, and then they gave him a big fat deal. Yeah, because Boylan was part of the Hoiberg staff. Um, yeah, and re-upping on him was questionable. There were guys that started to back him, like Levine last year paid for Boylan getting ejected from one game. Um, so it felt like the players were starting to back him. But uh, that has turned around very quickly here. Yeah. So, I mean, the Kings are coming off their best win of the season, I think that I would say. Uh, and so, I mean, this is – you. I, I'm so afraid of jinxing things now after all my terrible predictions. But I'll just say this. If they lose to the Bulls, that will be their worst loss of the season. So we could maybe get both within a, a stretch of a few days. Right. It'd be right up there with actually the Hornets have been surprising this year. I think they're the nine seed right now, but with the, I mean, also in context, like the Kings were just playing terrible during that stretch and the fifth one kind of felt like a cherry on top to start the year. But yeah, after some great play and like you said, what probably is the best one of the year to really just come out and lay a brick down against a team that uh, is going through some rough times. It probably would be. Yeah. Yes. Um, Like you said, the Hornets, that's a really good one to point out. But I will say that the Kings offense played really well in that game. It was just their defense that was an absolute nightmare. And that is, that is, um, yeah, like the the Hornets have played better. I think like looking back on that, it's a bad loss, but it doesn't feel like, like now we know, we know who the Bulls are in this moment and they are trash. Like we know that. Yeah, it's uh, it's really bad for them. And I don't think we're going to get any DMs from Bulls fans because I'm, I think that they're all equally as pissed and hate this team themselves, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's true. I just laugh because every time you say we're not going to get DMs, we end up with some DMs. We will not get – hear me, hear me. <laughs> we will not get Bulls DMs. If you're, if you're a Bulls fan and you're listening to this, DM me your honest opinion about this game. And if you really think that the Kings will lose, um, I I respect you, and I will listen, and I'll be I'll be your shoulder to cry on. There you go. Yeah, um, that's that's about all I got on this one, man. Yeah, I kind of wanted to. I had a a little exercise we could do if you got time. Um, how much time do you have? Yeah, I got time. Let's do it. All right. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to see take our temperature here on this team. We in the off season, we basically ranked the Kings players, put them put their value in terms of who was going to be the best player on this team this year. Um, I want to kind of do that again and maybe a little bit more in depth. I want to know, I want to rank the players on the Kings. I want to I want to know who your opinion is because it's really muddy right now. It's really, really muddy with Fox's injury, with Bagley's injury, with breakouts from Sean Holmes, breakouts from, you know, Bogey's really stepping up, Corey Joseph looking a lot better. 
And then there's guys that are down. You know, Harry Giles has not played much. Dwayne Dedman really struggling. It's, you know, everything feels like a muddy mess right now. I want to know if we can even rank the best players on the Kings. The Kings Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, this is interesting because with your whole being muddy thing, I think there's just tiers where you really can place guys anywhere within their tiers. Um, first one that we kind of mentioned at the beginning, I'm putting Harrison Barnes at the top for this one. Um, In the top tier? I think he might be on his own right now. You think that he might be on? So but I'm saying let's include injured players as well. So like, Oh, okay. So who is like, who are the best players on the Kings roster? Like, and I don't mean to play today, but just looking at this team and saying, look at, looking at their roster, going down the whole list, like De'Aaron Fox is our best player. True or false? True. Okay. I think I would agree with that. And then, and then, I mean, yeah, I mean, would you put Barnes above Buddy Heal? Yeah, I, I think so. It's just more well-rounded, like can you point to a glaring hole in Harrison Barnes's game? Absolutely not. Would you put Bogey above Buddy Hield? Uh, no, still. I think that, hmm, it's somewhat close, but I think that what Buddy does elite is such a perfect complement to De'Aaron Fox that I think in regards to the Kings, I think that, Buddy Heal is the more valued player there, even though he's he's had a really rough stretch to start this year. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's good logic, and I think that it's there's no real answer for me. I, I would put I would say that Bogdan, Bogdanovich is a better basketball player than Buddy Heal. Um, and then like, let me know if Bagley pops into here. Is yeah, he just? That's a, that's a rough one. I don't know. I think at this point. Because, okay, so we've gone through, we said Fox, Barnes, and then Heald and Bogey, kind of A and B between the uh-huh. two. I think that Bagley does need to pop up here. Probably here, but no higher, I'd say. Yeah, no higher, for sure. Um, but it does feel like he needs to be thrown in here. It's just also rough, you know, seeing one game this year and – yeah and um also not getting quite the run we would have wanted last year. But yeah, this is probably this is probably where he falls. And obviously you hope that he ends up uh much higher, but right now this is where I would put Bagley. Fox Barnes, Buddy Bogey, A and B or one A, one B, or three A, three B, I guess. Mm-hmm. Bagley at five. I think that's a that's a pretty strong I feel like that's hard to debate that there's anyone else in the top five. Um, but moving on from there, let me just throw out, I mean, is Rashawn Holmes not better than Bagley? I mean, that's, that's the one, that's the one, right? Right. Cause you got, I'll, I'll throw out some names here. Holmes, 
you know, I'll throw out Corey Joseph's name. I'll throw out Dwayne Bedman's name just to get some names out there. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of other names that really make sense. Yeah, really. the Deadman one really upsets me because I want Deadman to be next here, but he just has been terrible with no explanation. It's just been terrible basketball. It's not even just missing shots. We, we've said it a bunch of times. Uh, I think Rashawn Holmes has closed the book like pretty much on this on this debate. Like I yeah. think he's better than Dwayne Deadman. I think so right now. I, I would guess that by the end of the year, uh, Deadman will be back to better than Holmes, but right now it's Holmes. But you wouldn't have Holmes over Bagley? I would not because I think Holmes can do – I mean, Bagley can do what Holmes is doing now, minus the rim protection actually. We've never uh, actually seen him do it though. That's uh, – yeah, <laughs> that is fair. Um, partially because he doesn't get that run at center as much as we would like, but – uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced. Like Holmes is doing something special. He's hitting 65 percent of his shots. His true shooting is like 67 percent. Yeah, he's really protecting the rim well. You know, I, I I know he's not shooting threes like Bagley is, but Bagley's not shooting threes well. Right, uh, but I would think that really Bagley has. can create for his own a bit on offense rather than instead of like not only just that little mid range pull up, but blowing past people and. Like he does, but I've never seen it be really efficient. I've never, I mean, like I know that the whole point of it is that it will be one day once he, I mean, he's 20 years old, you know what I mean? So it will be one day, but I might even personally say like 5A, 5B with Holmes and Bagley right now. But, but I could get behind that. And you're talking me into Holmes being A and Bagley being B. Fair enough. Um, And then, so then for seven, uh, Maybe Bielitsa. I feel like I could slot in here over Deadman, or you want to say Dead? I mean, you could go seven A, seven B, Bielitsa, so, Deadman. So how are we saying right now? Right, because this Deadman one is difficult for me. So I, I, it's, it's. I'm probably doing a bad job of even explaining this. I would say, you know, who you think is. Let's say this. This is probably the best way to do it. The best player. Best players on the Kings from today until the end of this season. Yeah, then Deadman goes next for me here. Deadman and Corey Joseph, uh, probably a A and B type situation again. Because that that accounts for that accounts for injuries. Like you know, we'll get Fox back. We'll get Badley back. Right. I think Fox, when he returns, will be one. Like I, that makes sense to me. And yeah, I guess Barnes at this point. That it still makes sense. He's he's one number two. He's got it. Like he's he's it's his to lose. Then yeah, Bagley. And, I mean, Buddy and Bogey. I think that is a really hot debate. So like that that holds true to me. Yeah. Then I mean, Holmes and Bagley. Uh, I yeah. I kind of feel Holmes. I'll, I'll say Holmes five five A. Bagley five B. And then for seven, you're saying Deadman. Yeah, especially we're doing the rest of the year. I have I still have faith in Deadman to come around. Hmm. I kind of want to get Corey Joseph in the mix. I I agree. He's definitely the next guy. Um, and like I said, I think you could do another A and B here with Deadman and Joseph, even though it's kind of just like a little cheat to get around between not picking between the two. So you're giving no love to Nemanja Bielica, who's he's after shooting this. the lights out. He's after this. No, he's gonna. He's already starting to calm down a little bit. I think 
that he's still going to be valuable on offense, obviously, but that he's he's below uh, Joseph and Deadman when the year is said and done to me. So you got Deadman seven, Joseph eight, Beely to nine. Yeah, I'm gonna flip Deadman. I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna say Joseph seven. Okay. I will say. I will say yeah. I'll go with you and say Deadman eight, Beely to nine. And then there's a reason ten. This is where it gets interesting again. Oh God, what do you mean? Well, I mean, it's just I don't think it's. I don't think it's like set in stone. I, I mean, Ariza is the oldest dude on this roster by a ton. So if we're building any regression into the rest of the season, it's got to be coming from him. It wouldn't like – all right, yeah, let's go. Okay, Ariza 10. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's silly. I'm getting – Next guys we got right, Justin James, Yogi well, Farrell. Giles, Farrell, and James all have like the potential to have a better season than Ariza. Right. That's that's fair. Um, I think it would come in the later year, the later months, because they'd have to be taking it from Ariza. Like, uh, okay. I don't think Ariza is going to hold the team down here, where I think the other guys have potentials of having. Actually, you know, Ariza does have potential of definitely being a liability at times. No, but oh, I, I think he's. Sure. I think he's ten here. All right, Ariza ten. Give me Giles eleven. Hmm. You know, I, I think I'm going Justin James. Okay, I respect that. Especially with Bagley coming back, there's going to be less opportunity for Giles. I guess you could say the same with James and Ariza, but James is a little more versatile. I'm just going for ceiling. I think that Giles could have a run where he really affects the game or, or a series of games with his passing. Whereas James, like, I like the defense, but I still am not, I'm not, like, bought it yet. I've not bought it yet. Yeah, and and I do. Uh, Justin James only twenty three percent from three on the year, but I thought all of them have been pretty close. I, I've liked his. I've liked what I've seen from his shot so far. And then I didn't. I have not liked the shot. I disagree personally. Um, it just doesn't. It looks awkward. It looks flat to me. But okay. Um, so, but those can those guys be right next to each other? What about Farrell though? I was gonna put him right. I guess actually he probably goes in that same group. He's def- this is a tier right here. 11, 12, 13. This has got to be a tier. Yeah. Yeah, I- I'm I'm totally fine with that. All right. I'll, really I'll, I'll put him in any order. I'll agree with you on Justin James 11. Then do you think I, I could even see Farrell being more useful this year than, than Giles, even though it breaks my precious heart? I could too. I could even put, see him above James. Yeah. Let's go James 11, Yogi 12, Giles 13. Oof, all right. God, that hurts It me. speaks to the depth of this roster, though. It honestly does. It honestly does. I think we're back to a, a strong 13. What we expected. We expected 12. James has really right. come around. And then, so we've got some, we've got some uh, hangers on here at the bottom. Uh, we've got Gabriel, we've got Jeffries, and we've got Swanigan. I mean, uh, I guess Winyan Gabriel uh, is first there, and then Jeffries and Swanigan. But yeah, none of these guys are gonna get real minutes to me. Except Gabriel is the only guy that could, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's not even. Yeah, I think that's 
that may not even be a tier for me. I think that, that I think uh, I think Gabriel's got that locked in. Fourteen, and then yeah, I guess Jeffrey's fifteen. Swanigan sixteen. Yeah, and shout outs to Kyle Guy in the G League, man. He's third in points per game there, shooting thirty six percent from three. He's forty two last night. Yeah, that ties the season high for uh, for a single game in the G League. Um, Let's throw him in this because he's he's part of the team. I mean. Yeah, I mean, would it surprise you in the slightest if he had a better rest of the season than Daquan Jeffries? Uh, no, because those guys are – yeah, no, I, I don't think so because Jeffries hasn't really had a season. Right. I mean, you could see him contributing more to the Kings' end of season than Jeffries. It's possible. Right, like – I think best case scenario this year would be Kyle Guy taking Yogi Ferrell's role. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty pretty feasible possibility. Yeah, he seems especially in G League like I've been really surprised with his passing as well. Um, upwards of five assists per game for him. Obviously, turnovers are going to be there from anybody young running in offense, but um. Yeah, you know, Yogi Ferrell really comes in to be a spark plug on offense, and I think that that's what you get from Kyle Guy, even though I think Yogi is um, a better defender because he's been in the league longer. Neither of them are plus defenders for sure, but yeah, you get a little bit of a spark plug on offense. And with Kyle Guy's 36% from three, he's also 37% from the field. Uh, So it's pretty one-dimensional there. Yeah. So anyway, we don't need to belabor the end of this, but uh, I'll um yeah I'll do a I'll do a solid for Kyle Guy. Put him fifteen, Jeffrey sixteen, Swanigan seventeen. Yeah, and man, this is when when Bagley and Fox return. This is a very promising, like we said, twelve guys that could play on any given night. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the depth coming back. I think that this. Time without Fox and Bagley has proven that the depth exists. And, yeah, as soon as guys like Deadman turn it around and guys like Fox and Bagley get back on the court, I'm, I'm, I mean, realistically, I feel like a playoff spot. It, it, am I crazy to start talking about this as a possibility now? Listen, Tim Maxwell has been talking about it for, for a month at this point. <laughs> I'm just saying because – so you They're and him – for the A-seed. Tim Maxwell and you and I – recorded an episode where we did we did like top three lists right and one of the top three lists that we came up with were the three most likely teams to drop out of the playoffs and we said the spurs the warriors and the trailblazers and it looks like we may hit on all three those probably probably will be the only three that fall out and we might get all three right and we said the phoenix suns in the playoffs obviously (laughs) <laughs> we didn't say who would replace them. So, no, but yeah, you're right. It, obviously, the Warriors are a lock to be out of it um, at this point. And Spurs and Trailblazers feel like fifty-fifty. Like maybe one of them makes it. Yeah, they're starting to come around a little bit more. It's been interesting with Melo in Portland, and still not comfortable counting out Popovich. Uh, I think they're going to start to come around. But yeah, it, it feels like kind of like we said at the beginning of the year. There's just this huge 
tier of people of teams that could make it from like seven to 11, really. Oklahoma City has been promising. Minnesota has been up there as well. But yeah, right now the Sacramento Kings are tied for the eight seed. And with a win tonight and a Phoenix loss, they would be the lone holders of that eight seed, man. What it comes down to is three playoff spots are up for grabs. We called all three that would be available. And one of those teams is like completely off the radar. So it's it's three playoff spots between the Kings, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Timberwolves, and the Suns. And you can throw in the Thunder if you want, but I'm not super convinced. But that's well, of teams because so of the teams you mentioned, two of them are holding seven and eight right now, right? And then are you you said three though? Are you including Dallas in that? Oh geez, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. It's Dallas is Dallas is four. in. Dallas is in. Okay. Oof. Yeah, Dallas yeah, so, is in. So then there's two spots, right? So there's two spots. Yeah, okay. you're right. Yeah. But, I mean, two spots gives you a good amount of opportunity. And I think that playing solid defense rather than offense, not to say that the offense has been bad necessarily for the Kings, but defense is, I I think that if you're a strong defensive team, that's going to lead to you winning more games. And it's easier to be consistent on the defensive side of the ball night in and night out than the offensive end. So it's promising in the way that Sacramento's getting these wins as well. Right. So yeah, yeah, to me, you gotta be you gotta finish top two of that group of five, right? Yeah. Spurs, Trailblazers, Kings, Timberwolves, Suns. If you if you finish in the top two, I think you're good in the playoff spot. Yeah. And uh, a little shout out to the Thunder too. I think they got some nice talent on there. But there, there's definitely promise, you know, especially after the start of this year when we were feeling terribly low on it. Um, it it's, it's starting to come around here. And maybe for a final thing here, man, over under on beating the Bulls by seven points. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll take the over. I think so. Or I should just take the under and play it safe. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But um, my, my heart says over, but... Uh, or my, my head says over, but my heart says under. And protect your heart, guys. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go over here as well. Um, I think that's that's all I got here, though, man. Is there anything else that you feel like you want to throw in here? That's it, brother. All right. Well, thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. And you will hear from us again in the next couple days.